play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Well, g'day and welcome to the Astro League. I am your. I always say obnoxious commissioner, but I was challenged on that through the week. Am I really the obnoxious commissioner? And I thought, well, hey, you know, I'm. I'm mouthy and I can be a little pushy around trying to make sure things in the league run really well, kind of like that annoying character from the movie Election. So, yeah, maybe I am a bit obnoxious, but I didn't really have then anyone say, oh, Maddie, you're being too hard on yourself, or anyone say, oh, oh, Maddie, no, actually, you do probably qualify as obnoxious. I just didn't kind of get votes either way, so maybe it's something I need to poll. Anyhow, I'm just going to go with I'm the commissioner of the Astro League, and something else that's absolutely true is that I am the owner of the Carabao Kings franchise in this league. I've got a few things to tell you about our league too if you haven't joined us before or if you're new to it. We're a unicorn of a league. We are 16 teams deep, which is huge. And this is such a competitive league considering it is so deep. We've got some really wacky scoring too. Quarterbacks will get six points for a passing touchdown and a bonus point for 300 yards of passing. It's a half PPR league as well, so players will get half a point for just catching a ball. You also attract a bonus point if you can get 100 yards of receiving. 100 yards of rushing, and you can get a point for both if you can do both in a game. Now, today's show, week 12 only just finished, and I've <laughs> it's been an uncommon week. So we're going to do a recap on this show before we get Taylor in, and then we're going to do a preview when we have the special guest episode on Monday, which is going to feature Justin from the Jizz Pots, who's he's the number two seed at the moment, and he actually has locked in his playoff spot. It cannot be bumped now. Now, the Taylor Talk this week is also going to take a slightly different shape too because, you know, well, he's going to go back and do his usual Taylor nail, Taylor failed, but we're going to save individual previews of, you know, little options of what to pick up and that kind of thing. There's, there's just less guys who need a waiver wire option right now, so we think those guys can probably fight for themselves. But, you know, following on from the conversation with Sheriff Seahorse just the other day, Taylor and I are just going to weigh into a few bigger league issues. And I think these are issues that every league that's got any level of competitiveness amongst the people in them should be facing every year if they want to continue to grow and evolve their league, and we definitely want to do that here. This year has definitely seen, to me, I think, the most growth in interaction, activity, and engagement. So I'd really, really love to see that. And it absolutely shows up in the results. We've got no teams with less than three wins. We've got no teams with more than eight wins. That's amazing. The whole league is crunched into a five-win bracket. It's never happened before. So it's a real tribute to all of you guys. And Taylor and I are just going to dive into some of the things that have been coming up in the league chat this week, just so we can get some things out in the air and game some stuff out and really start to think about, well, what do some of these suggestions look like? Hey, this is Adam from the Queensland football team. Looking for an actual challenge this year. be funny if I didn't make finals. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Okay, let's start with the recap here. And you know what? The North is probably the place to start. Given that he had the Derrick Henry 38.5 point game and Packers defense throws up a 15, you'd think that would put Squares in a great position to put up a good score. And you'd be right. He goes out and throws up 119.9, which is great. That's a terrific score and will win you the week most weeks. Sadly, though, he played the Cornhuskers. They had the 52-point Tyreek Hill game. Holy cow. Latavius Murray, of all people, turns up and throws up a 26-point game. That's a Nick Chubb kind of game from Latavius Murray and gets 14 from the Steelers' defense. For just at every turn, that's Squaz Mongers had a guy. Uh, you know, the Cornhuskers also had a guy. And Cornhuskers go out and get the win. They win 125.5 to 19.9. It's a great matchup. But you know what? This is absolutely Squaz's own fault. He could have beaten the 52-point Tyreek Hill game if he'd just not been a total knucklehead. 
Goes and picks up Fitzmagic. Okay, so he's got a love affair with Fitzmagic. It's been well documented. We did a whole thing in the preseason about how he has a statue to Ryan Fitzpatrick in his house that he uh, gesticulates to in the morning, has a real ritual around. But you know what? He has Aaron Rodgers on the bench, who's a 14-point better performer. He scores 33 and some change to Fitzmagic's 19. Squares loses by six. So just by getting cute with the stupid Fitzmagic move, he goes out and loses this battle that would have guaranteed him a playoff spot. Now he has to both fend off Jackal in the last week of the season and make sure that the Huskers don't win and put up a great score against the Crusaders, which neither of which he has any control over. He could have just had it all decided this week. Now, the Crusaders, it hasn't been their season and it continues that way too as they face Jackal and Jackal puts up 103 points. Comes into the week two and nine, gets the win over Crusaders, who uh, they managed 96.4 on the back of the Antonio Gibson Thanksgiving Day game score, which is great, really great start to the week. But Jackal overcomes it with just great contributions from a bunch of people. Gets 21 from Amari Cooper, 17 from Robbie Anderson and Devante Parker each, plus 15 in Duke month. That's right, Duke Johnson finally does something for somebody. And he goes out and puts up 103 to 96 win. It's the second time in as many weeks that Tim has lost by less than 10 points. So he could also feel pretty robbed that he's not 6-6 six and six right now. Over in the South, things get muddy and they stay muddy, right? Struggle Town come into the week 7-4. and four. They play Tua, who are 4-7. and seven. And the going for Tua team looked like they were going to be... You know, all right. They've done the sneaky thing and gone and picked up that little wide receiver who's going to be playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And you think, well, you know, it's not really hard for somebody who's playing quarterback to score better than an average week for just a find it and fill it in receiver. So he went for the risk there and ate a negative 3.78. So not only does he eat the negative 3.78, but he then gets 27 from Brady and 12 from Miles Sanders. But he had 14 from Juju on the bench. So if you can swap him out for Hinton, and all of a sudden you've got the 17.8 point swing from Hinton being worse than zero, and then Juju being better than zero, and you have a look at Struggle Town score. Struggle Town punch out a 91, with thanks to 14 from Gronk, almost 20 from Debo. This is why Joel is the guru swami of kickers in this league. 21 points there, and then 12 from Robert Woods. So it's a good all-round performance. He gets 91.3, and he beats Tua, going for Tua by 18.1 points. 18.1 points. So just the juju move would have put him within three-tenths of a point of winning this game. Ah, oh, Mark, you knucklehead. Gah! Tell you what you should do, Mark. When you get a quiet moment, step out into your backyard, stand on that back step and look towards that big tall tree at the back of your backyard, focus right in on it and just move your hands up to each side of your face and do the old KFC zinger double slap, mate, because fair dinkum, you deserve it. You absolutely deserve it for that knucklehead move. It probably wouldn't have won the week for you, but I mean, wow. <laughs> it's an unbelievable set of circumstances that sees you lose a game that you should have absolutely been in. In the other side of that division now that Struggle Town have jumped to 8-4 and four, and the Kings and the Gispots knew that because there were still players going in the you know crazy Baltimore-Pittsburgh game and there weren't in the result for the Struggle Town game. So we had Juju going but that result was definitely all wrapped up. The Kings come into the week, they are 8-3, and three. the Gispots come in 7-4 and four with a miler scoring but this game, and I've written against both teams' rosters, yuck and yuck. You know why? Okay, so you get 18 points from Mike Evans and 14 from James White. But, you know, the two big guns have been the truck pulling the Gispots trailer is Kyler Murray, who puts up an almost six, and then Dalvin Cook, who puts up a eight. So, you know, again, I absolutely dodge 
Two really, really strong players in my opponent's side putting up whopping big scores like they have been all year round. They just play against me and all of a sudden they fall over dead. So Justin's team goes out and puts up a 78.8 and that's totally beatable, right? You go, oh, 78 points. You should always beat a team who only puts up 78 points. But then my team, yuck. Tannehill goes out and gets 20. Dallas got it somehow, finds 17 points in that god-awful Philadelphia offense. But you know, I get a 2.1 from Antonio Brown, and just nobody else in the offense for me fires, and I end up with 77.7. So I lose by 1.1 points, and I'm that close to just stepping over another carcass in front of me if I didn't die before he did. Anyhow, looks like Jizzpot's there. They get the win, but the important thing is here, they are on top of this division, and it pumps me from the playoffs, and uh, we're going to go through all this in the standings on the Monday show. All right, let's go across to the east where Scuba, they come in as the number two seed, they're eight and four, and they're going up against the 15th seed, Brendox Birdman. This is top of their division versus bottom of their division. You get 23 points from Alan Robinson. You get 10 points from Hunter Henry. But then you get a Hinton-esque performance from Derek Carr, who scores you not zero, negative 2.4 points. Not even good enough to be zero. I mean, would have scored you more points if he'd stayed in bed. But then you go out and play a Birdman side who get the Thanksgiving 40 from Deshaun Watson. And, you know, he gets 12.9 from Carson. But then the rest of the team kind of fails to fire and only puts up 30-odd points between them. But it's enough. It's enough. Because Scuba's team, 74.9. You should always beat that. Brendox does with 86.1. It's a very low-scoring matchup again. Kind of like that one from the South. But, you know, the Birdmen, they're a proud franchise. And it's great to see them with a fourth win. Problem for Scuba, though, is this knocks him out of one of those buyer positions in the playoff race. And it puts him back into the mirth of the wildcard teams. The other matchup in this division is where you get Playmaker playing Gnomes. Now, Playmaker has had a terrible run of things since a good start to the season. He gets 14 from Evan Engram and 12.7 from Terry McLaurin. He even gets a little bit out of Ben Roethlisberger in that weird, you know, middle-of-the-week game, the one that they delayed for a year and a half, and he gets 14.5 out of Big Ben. But you know what? Gnomes have a day. You get the 33-point fuller day before. Okay, so we work out he's been taking a few, you know, performance-enhancing drugs. All right, so that might be why he's having a good year. I don't know. Maybe he's just a good receiver. But anyway, either way, 33 points. He gets a Nick Chubb putting up a Latavius Murray kind of day with 26 points, and then Justin Jefferson with 22 and a half. Those are just the three greatest hits. I mean, I think we could keep rolling off a greatest hits for, for the Gnomes team right now. He scores 139 points, which is an amazing score in any week. Absolutely fantastic, and he jumps himself to six and six sadly though it does look like he's going to be out of the playoff race because all the wildcard teams already have eight wins but jerry i love that you're still going hard over in the west the formerly wild west now it's the washed up west i think i don't know vinegar strokes five and seven after this week where they get the win over jaggedy jagged edge this is pete's team who dropped to six and six pete 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 I've been taking a leaf out of your book, reversing my way out of the playoffs, and it looks like uh, I'm getting some really, really good mentorship here because this week with a 51.3, oh, Pete, I'm so sad this has happened to you. Remember in week six when you were the number one overall seed? I do. And I came over to your house and we had a lovely cocktail and we went down to the brewery and it was wonderful and we were all celebrating. But, you know, Josh Allen's 15 points and Frank Gore's 10 points. They're a good start. That's half your team's total, though. The rest of your team only puts up 26 combined. We're in an absolute tear fest. And then, you know, J-Rob, the Jags running back, goes up and puts up 25 on his own. Uh, Jay Herbs and Calvin Ridley, these are... Uh, these are Taylor's boys. These are not only his husband, but his best man at his wedding, I think. Go and put up a t- total of 94.3 points, and he gets a pretty simple win when you're playing a team who lob up a 51. But, you know, I'm not going to criticise Taylor for that. That's been the story of my season, just beating teams who fall over dead in front of you. 
Now, the big matchup in this Western division was going to be between the number one overall seed Olakan Space Pirates and Queensland football team, who as of the start of this week were coming in out of the playoff bracket at seven and four after they put up that utter stinker the week before. Now, things couldn't be much different because you get a 92-point game from the Olakan Space Pirates. It's a beatable score for one of the very rare times this year that put up a score that could be beaten. Metcalf gets 23 and a half. Keenan Allen gets 14. Rojo was 17 points. Looking good. Wow, the Queensland football team, they kissed history on the mouth. It was amazing. Everybody fired. I'm going to grocery list this thing because it's too impressive to not do. And Adam, hats off to you, mate. I couldn't be more impressed with your team. And I actually think, this is the first time in my life I'm going to say this, I might actually be a Queensland fan. Oh, I'm going to need a hot shower after that. That's a gross thought. I'm going to need to drink a whole bunch of antiseptic or something to clean out that from my guts. But listen to this team. Mahomes. 36. David Montgomery, 23. Kenyon Drake, 23. Jarvis Landry, 25. AJ Brown, 18. Hawkinson, 11. The Saints defense, 15. Zach Moss, 7.8. Ah, mate, I think you should send a message and cut that idiot because he's obviously holding you back. Now, in all seriousness, he goes out and puts up 169.2. That is less than one full point away from the record score in the league. No one has ever put up more than 170.1 before. And here we are, Queensland football team, 169.2 in what is just an incredible score. It was amazing to watch. Adam, I don't know. I feel like we should organize some sort of prize for you or something. I don't know, an electric noogie or a wet willy or something. He <laughs> deserves something. 169 points is a whopping effort and it pulls him up to eight and four. It brings him to third in the overall when we get to the standings. You're gonna love to read that. But it also means that, you know, this is just a crush of teams at eight and four now. We've gone through and listed every team and how they wound up after the week and there are six teams eight and four at the moment and one of them doesn't even make the playoffs because there's a six and six team who lead a division so we'll get into the divisional standings and the overall standings with a preview in the next episode when we talk to the Jizzpots who've had a terrific year and they're currently second in the overall themselves leading the south division but for the meantime let's dial up Taylor talk because we've got a lot to talk about and I don't want to slow him down fire up the music Last week, everyone had AIDS. This week, everyone has YAIDS. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> well, well, most people had YAIDS. There was some sprinkling of uh, that, uh, that terrible content. <laughs> Let's uh, get cracking into this uh, wonderful week of results. Because, uh, man, I beat the shit out of some of these. Uh, what is that <laughs> week before? Now, it starts a little lukewarm, like the temperature of the cleats when Matt Ryan decides to piss instead of shit himself. <laughs> well, sorry, what were we talking about again? Oh, yeah, right, QB. Um, QB. T- Teddy, Teddy Two Gloves scoring 15.88, which for streaming QB is neither killing your week nor winning you a week. So I guess you could call that a Taylor eked it out by the skin of his ball sack result. Do we, do we have a drop for that? Do we have a Taylor push? Taylor push. Taylor push would, would be a lot easier for your wife to say, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Taylor nailed. So, uh, running back. It's James White season, baby. The bloke cock-blocked Cam and Damian Harris to two touchdowns and picked up a score of 14.2. They don't seem to use Harris around the goal line for whatever reason, and without Burkhead, expect White to be prominent in the red zone either on the ground or even more likely in the air, as long as Custard Arm somehow musters the strength to float one to him. 
Taylor nailed. Uh, wide receiver, Brashad Perryman, four for 79 for 9.9 points in our league. Again, not a huge score, but a very respectable score for a waiver wire pickup. I think Darnold being the QB actually gave him a downgrade because Perryman was getting a good rapport with flourishing Flacco, like I like to call him. And he was willing to air it out, whereas Darnold seemed happier to throw shorter passes and just to be another ginger sack of shit. And believe mm. me, we have enough of those in the league already. They're but still a decent score for Perryman. Taylor nailed. Now, here's the one real blimp on the radar. <laughs> Funnily enough, this position is called tight end, but it's leaving me with my end less than tight. <laughs> I am the king of finding a goose egg in this position, and I held <laughs> firm with that with Will Disney. I knew he was a long shot play. He played 48 snaps to Hollis's 37, so he was out on the field enough. He just yeah. involved enough at all and didn't even receive a target. So there's the return of the AIDS. Taylor failed. My kicker, Ryan, didn't end up with many points after what happened with the QB situation or lack of QB situation. But the rhyme was just so fantastic, so I don't care. Mate, you know, he was their only points. He scored like a five-point kick, and he was the only thing they did all day. I'm going to say you nailed that. That's what I said. He kicked a 58-yarder. That was the <laughs> only points they got. So back- Career long. Cover your anus. Make sure everyone covers their <laughs> anus for anyone out there. That's it. Nice call. It's a very important life lesson. Taylor nailed. Now, people are going to wonder why I was so high on myself at the start of this podcast. But don't fear. It gets a lot better later. Studley Call was off this week with Brendox putting up 86.12 for 10 yeah. on the week. I've picked him twice now. So, Brendan, I've shown you much love this year. But like my season, we just haven't had the luck. Taylor failed. Dudley was atrocious this week. Yeah. Bring back the AIDS song. Where is it? <laughs> I mentioned that Tyreek Hill was a player I love this week, but I thought he wouldn't be able to carry the rest of his side. Well, mm. when you go for 200 yards in the first quarter and finish with 13 receptions, 269 yards, and three touchdowns for 52.4 fantasy points in our league, that's enough to carry any side. He also yeah. got 26.1 points out of Latavius Murray, who's essentially the backup running back. So it was lightning in a bottle for Ryan this week. To sum up how good his week was, he didn't even play a full roster with leaving his tight end spot empty. You're welcome for the reverse jinx, Ryan. Well played. <laughs> I mean, he did trot out Alanis Morissette, as we were calling her, but uh, it was really Luke Wilson who had been picked up at some point and stashed away by the Ravens to, to play. But, I mean, he was out on the field and... Didn't do anything. It's insane how much that guy does look like Andy Lee with a wig. That was... Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I pissed myself when I saw that. Taylor failed. It was lukewarm in my pants after I did that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now me, you know you know me very well, Matty C, and I'm a very wonderfully humble, humble bloke, you know? I don't if want nothing to talk else. too much about these next results. So I'm thinking probably maybe three to four hours for this next segment. Okay, I'll strap myself in. Yeah, strap myself in. So, the boldest predictions from last week, I'll just run through what they were. Breakout player, David Montgomery. Same game multi, Ronald Jones. Up and down roller coaster fantasy season to turn into his favour this week and put up a great fantasy day into Mahomes to throw for more than 450 yards. The Bengals to have less than 150 passing yards and the Bengals receiving core combined to struggle for fantasy and that anyone with these guys should pivot where they can. Results. 
David Montgomery, 103 rushing yards, five receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown for 23.8 fantasy points. Green Bay are awful against the running back position, and this came to fruition again. I called 15-plus, so this wasn't a by-the-skin-of-my-balls. It was a Taylor-drilled-it. Play play it. Play that. Play that drop. Taylor-nailed. Royal Jones, 16.8 fantasy points. A fair chunk was from a 37-yard receiving touchdown, but he was clearly the guy in this game, and the Chiefs are very beatable at the running back position. I took a huge leap on the second leg here on Mahomes, and I thought for a while that 450 wasn't going to be nearly enough. He was on about 900 yards during the second quarter, but 460 yeah. yards and three touchdowns for Mahomes was a very big win on this same game multi. That was absurd. Well done, by the way. For a while there, it did look like he was going to throw for a metric kilometre, but well, oh, I mean, The 450 turned out perfect in the end, really. Perfect. Which was perfect. still a, which is still very bold, the amount I said, but it looked like... That it was is, a big number. Enough. Nailed. I mean, this next one I think is the this is the, the big jewel, isn't it? So this Bre- is the one. Brandon Allen ended up at QB for the Bengals, and he threw for 136 yards. And the Bengals' wide receiver call combined for an average of 5.3 fantasy points, and that was including a garbage time TD to T Higgins. So overall, yeah. this boldish prediction segment was an enormous success for the week. Taylor nailed. I'm going to play the Taylor nail drop about 40 times there, I think, because to me, there were some really, really big calls, and you didn't just get one of them. It was like watching Shaq slam dunk over Muggsy Bogues, just over and over and over and over, like a gif. It was amazing. Multi those uh, boldish predictions together, you're owning an NFL team. Like, you're just, you're, <laughs> you're taking the, the tab, may as well be buying the Jets. It's not TAB, it's ATM. <laughs> you're just killing it. <laughs> Wow. So, I don't know. I've got a bottle of champagne, so I think we should bust that out. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a Taylor's wine champagne, mate. Got to stick, got to oh, stick with the company. Good. That's it. Taylor running his own wine business. That might not be quite true, but we'll go with it. Yeah. That's a heck of a week. Uh, now, this week's been a bit uncommon, and because the, literally, we're talking within hours of the game having finished to wrap up week 12. It's kind of the analysis of a usual week, and... Um, the amount of teams have got a competitive chance in making the playoffs in our league is a little different this week. So we're going to take a little bit of a different tack to the future-looking part of the Taylor episode. Mate, I had three really quick questions I wanted to aim at you, and I know that you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about too, but uh, are you happy to dive into a bit of future forecasting and a little bit of talk about what future planning looks like in our league? Definitely, mate, and, you know... Stopping the future predictions uh, at the last week is probably great for me because if that's what <laughs> I do, I'm just going to seem like an absolute genius. So let's go. Mic drop and he walks away off into the sunset. <laughs> See you later, guys. I retire. I'm done. See okay, well, I've got three questions. These first two are just going to be quick hits. Give me a thin slice, first opinion. Um, mate, there's been a lot of talk in our league over the last three off-seasons and, and certainly again in this off-season about the idea of maybe expanding our playoffs. Currently, it's set to the old NFL conference system because we had 16 teams. Seemed fair. There's been a lot of talk of pushing it out to eight. What say you? So, I've held off on the messenger group on this topic because as much as I like to take my shot on this podcast of predictions and my general take on things, I'm actually quite easy when it comes to the way the league is run. It will seem like I'm the ultimate fence sitter, but I honestly don't mind either way. I think six is great, but eight would be fine too. If there's a gun to my head to make a decision, I'd lean similar to Ryan with just leaving it how it is. It's a unicorn of a league, and making it six teams makes it really hard to make the playoffs each year. So when you make it, 
there's a real sense of accomplishment. I'm not sold yeah. that just because there's a couple of good teams missing out that it's necessarily a bad thing. I'm sure players sitting in the 7 for 8 slot might feel a bit different. But I like how tough it is to not only make the playoffs, but how hard it is to even put a team together in a 16-team league. Mm. I find other leagues, you almost hang yourself with having so much wiggle room to start different guys, and you feel like you have to have the absolute best player in each position or you fall behind. Whereas this league is a real grind, and you have to find some real diamonds in the rough. So I'm happy making it harder than most leagues to make the playoffs, but I also see why a teams work as well. Yeah, I don't think you can get much better summary than that. I mean, I love that it's tough to make the playoffs now, but also, I don't know, in more recent times, I've leant towards, well, what do we do to try and keep more people included in, in um, you know, being involved the longer the season goes? So I, I guess I'm no better uh, in terms of being a fence sitter. The second question I wanted to hit you with, though, real quick was, hey, man, look, you know, this is also the time of the year where we start looking at, well, what is working and isn't working with things like scoring and roster sizes? Uh, what are your thoughts there? I'm, I'm fine of scoring. Um, the only thing I sort of looked at was with only having four bench spots, we could definitely look at maybe having an IR slot. But I don't think we need to have more than one because, again, you need the white waiver wire at least somewhat useful. Um, I'm going to be a bit boring again here because I love the league how it is. Again, I'm fine with whatever changes are made because as long as they are made at the start of the season, it's a level playing field for everyone. Um, but I, I really, I don't, I heard Seahorse before say about making the bench less. I, d- I just don't know if we can get away with that, especially <laughs> if next year, who knows what COVID's still doing. Yeah. Um, it was hard enough a bit for some teams this year with guys going out. I actually think we probably need that IR slot because we just really don't know what's going to be happening next year. Um, so I, I, look, I'm fine with it staying how it is. The only thing I would add is maybe an IR slot, but probably just one. The last one I was going to ask you too, but just I know you wanted to go a bit more in depth on this one too, is that you know we've got a lot of teams who've been eliminated for a week or two or more now. After today, we've had a few more get eliminated, and then next week, all the rest who don't make the cut are out too. What do we do to keep them engaged? Yeah, so I did hear Seahorse, he, he sort of touched on this a little bit, but... um. I, like as I said, you mentioned an idea to keep the teams involved or out of the race, and I had one yeah. interesting, interesting suggestion. Which again, if it doesn't happen, I couldn't care less. It was just a light bulb moment that came in my head. Um, if the ten teams that missed the playoffs or eight or whatever we decided to go next year, then battled each other over the following three or four weeks once the playoffs started, um, whether it went to week sixteen, week seventeen, whatever, but to try and get the number one draft pick. Um, I think that also gives a team a chance who played well but just missed out on the playoffs to then say, well, I'll keep playing the rest of the season to try and get the number one draft pick instead of doing the lottery. This way it keeps people interested the whole year and you aren't giving a prize for teams teams being mediocre. I understand you probably couldn't set this up as an actual league format, but maybe we could just set it up on the side, which I know would be even harder on the commissioner to give him more work. Um, you, you don't even have to do matchups. You could just go a total score each week and have, say, the top six of the 10 go to week two, then the top three of that week go to week three, and then you pick the order based off the total scores of those three teams left. Um, so say the team that scores the most out of those three gets the number one pick, team who scores the second gets the second, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then you just work out, you know, from, say, three to six in that second week who had the highest scores. That's the order for next year instead of the lottery. So that actually keeps teams involved and they're actually got something to play for. 
Man, I think anything that would get people to want to set a roster and try to get a lineup set for weeks beyond week 12, 13, whenever they feel like they don't have a chance anymore or whenever the door does shut in terms of a championship you know, run, I think any of that is probably better than a lottery. And really, the lottery had just been something to do because otherwise we're just doing reverse of you know the order people finishing. And there's actually a benefit to being bad, and we didn't want there to be a benefit to being bad. Exactly, and I know... I know- teams just miss out they sit there and they go i might as well tanked you know what i mean like they they sit there and they go well i didn't make the playoffs and now i'm getting the i'm probably a decent chance again like the eighth pick and to be fair in a snake draft your idea is to make it even anyway but there's always that idea that you want to be high you know you want to cmc and you you want to you want to barkley yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like the there's still that you know, drive to want to get the number one or number two or whatever pick. So I think it keeps everyone involved for all the weeks that are left instead of just the teams that are in the playoffs. Hey, all this is super valuable. But, you know, your year has been pretty, you know, it's been pretty interesting. Uh, you know, so Interesting. What, that's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's – I don't know. I think you're going to write a book about this in the future. <laughs> Bestseller. But, you know, like what, what would you do differently? So – I know we've got a couple of diff- we've got a couple of things we were talking about with what I've learned so far and what I do differently. I actually might put it together because it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, let's do um, it. So this year, I believe, is the year of the quarterback. I, I talked to you in the preseason that I don't often prioritize the QB position because you need to fill running backs and wide receivers. Yeah, same. But this year, there were far more top QBs to pick from than some of the other years. So you were sort of miles behind by not taking one. You know, Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, just to name a few. They were just so enormously dominant this year. And having one of them was the difference for these teams. I'm not saying you had to have one of them. There's teams like yours and Stevens, etc., found ways to get wins with middling QBs. But (laughs) it was a complete hex on my season this year until I found my husband, Justin Herbert, far too late. And and like, like I said, just leading into next year, I just think I'm going to be prioritizing one of those QBs, and that's definitely something I'd do different. Um, I still believe you need to lock up your running back one and wide receiver one, but I'd be looking at a QB far earlier next season because it was a clear reason for me starting 0-5. Well, man, I mean, in week 10, I asked Seahorse, if you had a top five pick, what would you do with it? And he said, I'd draft Russell Wilson. He's massive with Russell Wilson. I know we did that trade last year too. Yeah. Um, I still think Wilson has the, you know, ability to sort of go missing a little bit. He definitely didn't show it in those first few weeks, but he's he's again having some off games now. I'm not trying yeah. to talk anyone down on Russell Wilson. Having DK Metcalf moving forward, it's just he's just going to be a great a quarterback coach. option. But I'm more looking at like I, I just think Mahomes is just so much better than everyone else. I, I know it's a little early to get him. Um, but even guys like Kyler with the running baseline and Josh Allen, they're the sort of guys I'd maybe look at next year just because I I, I got absolutely screwed by not having a top-line QB. And I thought I got a decent QB in week three. And, you know, I'll talk about that later, how that turned out. But yeah. um, having that guy that you can just plug in and know he's going to at least get you around 20, if not have you an absolute breakout with the rushing baseline was just such a difference. And, Mahomes is just so much better than everyone else. So it's probably what I'm going to do next year. So I guess, you know, you lean on what you know most years, but then this year comes along, gives you a big middle finger and you've got to forget what you know. And that kind of leads me to my next question, man. Like, what's the biggest surprise for you from this year? Um, Matty, my biggest surprise of the year, it's James Robinson. 
he's the guy that you personally found so much value in, but you felt the need to get value in a trade back. But he's been an absolute beast and seems to be getting better week by week. I heard a stat yeah. this week that he's had nearly 200 rush attempts this year and every other running back on his team has combined for, get this, nine. Wow. That is insane. He's the running back one, insane. two, and three on his team. He's been an absolute stalwart of my team since I traded for him and it was probably the trade of the year for me. So I I think wow. he's, he's a clear surprise of the year. He's just been an absolute weapon. Uh, so finding that guy was my big surprise and then I thought I got three good games out of him. Better trade him. He's not going to keep this up. And then, you know, he keeps it up. So that's my biggest regret of the year. Do you have one? Oh, Jesus, how much time do we have? In my worst, <laughs> in my worst season in about five or six years, this might be hard to narrow down. But I'll, Get comfy, I'll, I'll, bring, people. <laughs> I'll bring this down to two. Um, and this probably extends over just our league, but I was far too high on rookie Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, yeah. I understand why, because the situation he landed in with the Chiefs in this league. And I just had the blinders on, I believe. He left me hanging on a cliff... And him not turning out to get the volume that you would normally contribute to a Chiefs running back made it that much harder for me in this league and a lot of others. So I just think that me going high on him and obviously made the trade as Seahorse, you know, he hasn't been... I'm not going to say he's absolutely killed my team. He's not the reason. But just how much high draft capital and I put him in him in other leagues and, and this league obviously trading Godwin and some other pieces to get him... I still don't regret that trade to get me the two decent running backs, but he's just one of those regrets I had that I was probably just a little bit too high on. I think the second one you're probably going to see coming if you listen to any of my other podcasts. I have to mention this trade for the the shit Cleedy man himself. Just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love his parties. They're so good. Just <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid and just shitting myself all over the place. <laughs> It's Matt Ryan, and here's Yay. the scores he gave. Here's the scores he gave me. Yep, eleven point four two, eight point four, four point nine four. Is that in a row? Three, three consecutive weeks. Oh, it just yeah, my bowels feel uncomfortable hearing that. It just completely destroyed. Well, his bowels obviously don't work this week either because his cleats <laughs> yeah. are not happy with him. Yeah, it just completely wow. destroyed me in all of those must-win matchups, as I was already 0-2. And it dooms me to an 0-5 record. Yeah. I got the human Viagra pill in that in that trade, which I gave up Aaron Jones. So it wasn't a complete loss, even though his goose egg sent me to the 0-4, which turned me into putting a shit emoji up and turning my team into the to the fantasy football team, which I'm sure some people will remember. That was I also, a wonderful tantrum. I loved that. Oh, absolutely. absolute <laughs> best. Um, I also picked up Naeem Hines in this trade, and that was also a complete miss. So even though I was happy at the time of this trade, it basically cost me three matchups and ended my season after only five weeks. I think he did an admirable job of saying, it's not over. It's not over. Oh, and That's all I, mean, I am. I think a lot of other people get to 0-5 and, and be like, nah, I'm just going to start pronouncing the L and Salmon now. Nothing else matters. Whatever. 2020, hashtag it all sucks. Like, I think there'd be a lot of people who just chuck it in like that. So your, your utter determination to not uh, let the season run away from you, even at that point, is very admirable. And I, I must give you an applause on behalf of the entire league. But <laughs> it means a lot. It does mean that from that point, not a lot of wins. Uh, but then you got a bunch of wins afterwards. What do you consider to be your biggest win for the year? My biggest win is going to be pretty obvious as well. In a year of doom and despair, 
the pickup of Justin Sherbert not only gave me some light at the end of the tunnel, but a soulmate to spend the rest of my life with. Getting to watch him as a rookie have a complete license to thrill and just sling it all over the place has been a huge highlight of my season, and he's the main reason I've won five of my last seven games. The haircut was a huge loss, but with the human Viagra pill being on my team, Justin and my wedding night should be quite a wonderful event. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I've been waiting by the mailbox for that invitation too. It hasn't come yet, so I'm starting to think yeah, maybe sorry, I'm not invited and I might just you be going on the MC. You might not make the cut, mate. Sorry. <laughs> it's a small wedding, only a couple of thousand people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ken and Alan are with it. Oh, that guy. I don't know how you're still friends with him. He's caused you nothing but torment for the last four years, and this year you're in love with the guy. <laughs> I've got him with some other leagues and he's done really well, so I have to I have to be okay with it. I still wish I'd <laughs> traded for him instead of DeAndre Hopkins. We'll see yours, but all wow. in Yeah. It, it, do you need to wash your mouth out after you say something like that? I wish I'd traded for Keenan Allen instead of DeAndre Hopkins. That doesn't exactly. sound right. What is going on this year? And the funny part was I added Ayuk so I could get Hopkins. Like, as in yeah. the trade might have even got there between just Edwards Alaire and Keenan Allen, but I actually Probably. added in an extra piece just so I could get Hopkins. That's how much it felt like Hopkins was the upgrade there, and it just didn't work out, and that's that's why fantasy is what it is. Yeah. Just this year is forget what you know, isn't it? Or be, be prepared to be re-educated. Maybe that's the better way to look at it, because I'm certainly walking away from this year thinking to myself, Okay, so there were some things I did at the start of the year, which was, Matty, you've had this player on your team before, and that's a you problem. So I went out and got myself shares of guys like Edelman and Diggs, and that's half been a shit sandwich and half been paradise. <laughs> but, um, you know, exactly. I think it, you're never in a spot where you know everything and you do have to realise that you, every year will teach you a lot if you want it to. And this year, I don't know how anyone hasn't walked away from it thinking, you know, what did I even know when this season started? That's it. And I think, what's the term, stay water? You, 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 no one wins their fantasy league at the draft. Like, you have, you have to sort of play, play it how it is, you know, go for guys that you might in the past not liked, but they have different situations. Like, you know, Diggs got Josh Allen, who actually all of a sudden was throwing a great deep ball. Like, things change in your mind, so you have, to, you have to roll with the punches. And then during the year, you might have to get off a guy at the start of the year that you loved and just wasn't going that well, like... I got off Brandon Cooks, to be fair, you know, like he's turned out to be a great pickup now, but sometimes you just have to do it. You know, like I had to get off T.Y. Hilton, you know, I, yeah. I talked him up so much and he's just been an absolute turd. So you've got to roll off the punches. You can't stick exactly how you thought before the season has happened. And if you do, you're just going to be left behind. Um, before you get into sort of the finishing of it, I just had a couple of things to mention. Oh, yeah. Um, it. Go for it. I heard Seahorse mention the trading of the draft picks. That's another idea I absolutely love. Like, I would I would put that into anyone's, you know, end-of-season review. I, I, I just think it adds a complete different element. Um, I just think it would be really cool, like – you know, if you're sitting in 12th, you maybe could offer the guy in first, you know, your 12th and, you know, 16th or whatever. Like, I I just think it adds a completely different dynamic and I think it'd be really cool. And you'd have to work out, like, sort of a window of people actually doing it um, to work it out. But I just think it'd be really, really good idea and it'd definitely offer off some spice to this league. One other thing I just wanted to add, I mentioned this to you a couple of weeks ago, but... Everyone that's either in camera or any of you guys that aren't that decide to come back over the holidays, 
I would actually love to get an Astro League barbecue or something going. Yeah. Because I feel like this year we got to know each other a bit better with the podcast. And I thought it might be nice to get the families together and catch up and get a cricket set out or something. And it might be uh, nice, you know, at some time over the summer. So I know people are busy, but I thought I'd throw it out there to see if there's any interest in it. I think that's a great idea. And I think that's something we'll get uh, to be brought up in the thread as well and maybe create an event that we can talk about. Hey, well, when will we have the most people around who'd be available? Let's really start to work on making that a thing. Because the other thing we missed this year was that, uh, it probably could have been done. It just seemed like it was going to be easier to do a virtual draft instead of trying to collect people in a room. And I feel like, man, that whole yeah. get people in a room thing would be a whole bunch more fun now, wouldn't it? Everyone has a like idea of each other. I mean, no one you know knows each other like their best mates or anything, but they have they have you know a decent idea of where they're at. You know, like who they sort of are, and it isn't just a name to a fantasy team. You know, we've heard every pretty much everyone's voice on here, so. Yeah. It, it just cool, and I really enjoyed that one a few years ago at the Mawson Club, just because I got to actually see some people that are in the league that I've been in for a few for a few years. And this podcast has just sort of brought everyone together even more. And I feel like there's been even more engagement in the messenger group and trades and stuff like that. And I thought I thought this idea might bring some even more engagement for people that are around Canberra. So you know, it doesn't have to happen, even if it happened next season or whatever. I just thought I'd throw it out there to see if anyone was interested. I think it's a terrific idea. And I think, too, your point is well made that how much easier is it to reach out to somebody you might not talk to often if you've got some familiarity compared to reaching out to somebody who you might talk to occasionally only in text version that you have no familiarity with. So that's where the value of having had pretty well everyone come through the podcast so far. I've got the 14th owner coming on this week, which is great because not a big chat thread personality, but it'll be good to have Justin come on on the Monday show, I'm, I'm so excited about talking to him because, uh, again, like he's just not big into the social meds, but have a look at his season. He's kicking butt. This is a career best season for him. And it would be great for guys in the league to feel like they just got a bit more connective tissue with a guy like that, you know? Yeah, he's got a great team. And like I said, he's, he's just been Justin to me. Like I, I've even got some sort of ties to that family with, with my wife being uh, at Queanbeyan South. So it's just funny how that happens. I would have yeah. never even known, you know, I've, been in the league with the guy for whatever amount of years and he was just been Justin but you know there's actually some sort of ties there with my wife funny? you know knowing a lot of his family and extended family so it's just funny how that works it's only taken six years to make that happen no rush you know <laughs> we, <laughs> and just we all only live seen, in a small town whatever I've just always seen his photo of the, the car that's caved in on the side yeah. <laughs> car crash <laughs> thing yeah 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 it's just, that's pretty much all he's ever been to me so it'd be great to hear from him on the podcast yeah it's going to be so great so I'm talking to him and he'll be up on the Monday show, which is just so great. Tay, again, as always, it's great to have you on. I don't even know what we're going to do next week because we didn't really make any big calls about people. So we'll have to come up with something to make sure that you've got some fire to bring next week. Yeah, that's fine, mate. Like I said, I thought it was a good opportunity to sort of have it look back on some things. And I know I sort of made it more about my team, but I'm happy to sort of get on, like whether it's next week or the week after, and just take an oval I know James Robinson was probably, I know he ended up on my team. He was more of a broad look at a surprise instead of just my team. But um, in general, I wouldn't mind taking a look back at just some things that didn't just affect my team, but just affected fantasy in general. So that'd be pretty cool. But thanks again for having me on, guys. I'm sorry you you keep hearing me every week, but I, I, I enjoy doing this and I love fantasy football and I love how engaged everyone is. So yeah, can't, can't wait to do it again next year. 
Love it. Hey, dude, this is completely unscripted and just an opportunistic thought is, well, you know, so we do still have a Monday show. Would you be happy to whack together a quick Studley and Dudley and we'll whack it into the Monday podcast? Oh, mate, always happy to. We're all, always happy to take my shot at someone's team. And then you look at <laughs> you look at what Ryan's team did. He really stuck it to me. So yeah. you, know, you hear yourself in that Dudley and it probably gives you that extra motivation to say, fuck you, Taylor, you asshole. <laughs> you were two for two on Dudley's, and now the last two times Dudley has won. And then, I don't yeah. know, what, what did he finish with? Second highest score of the week this week? <laughs> oh, yeah, no one got anywhere near Adam. I, I, I can honestly say this. If Adam has Mahomes his team, I would never pick him as the Dudley. So yeah, at least I was never going to be completely wrong uh, this week. <laughs> his 169 point, whatever it was, it was, was just Second highest done. score in league history ever. Just I haven't mentioned in two full episodes. Hats off to you, Adam. I give you a lot of shit, but I don't give you a lot of credit. So here's some credit from me it's never going to happen again but enjoy it bask in the sunshine you killed it <laughs> absolutely and if only you didn't have that asshole Zach Moss going only getting 7.8 in his, uh, in his flex he, you know, he could have maybe got closer to 200 so you know collectively I'm sure Adam's saying it too fuck you Zach Moss <laughs> he probably is I've been saying that about Zach Moss for weeks in other leagues so you know fair enough <laughs> another guy who was being drafted like he died too was oh, T.Y. Hilton he's a good receiver <laughs> he actually doesn't look great whole career has been defined by boom Barkley or bust yeah or hurt and to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying a huge F.U. to the vinegar stroke well as ever it's a great pleasure to have Taylor on the show so thanks for coming on buddy and we'll catch up with you uh, with that Studley and Dudley for Monday's episode but Monday's episode is also going to feature the standings and the previews for week 13 plus Justin from the Jizz Pots who is going to be just another one of the great owners in our league to come on and uh, just get familiar and give us a little window into the man who's so quiet with the social media so come back and join us on Monday thanks so much for joining us you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and I would urge you to get on there and interact with us at Astro League Podcast so get on there's plenty of content plenty of space to leave some comments ask some questions because both Taylor and the Seahorse would love to come back and talk to you about it but until Monday Uru. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C.